This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Beat on. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How is everybody doing? I'm doing fantastic because we're getting ready for another day of a little A's baseball. Coming your way from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. And another great day of guests here on A's Cast Live. Who do we have on today? Well, we have on a guy that is a A's Hall of Famer. And he's getting his jersey retired. And that is the great Dave Stewart is going to join us coming up here at 3.30. When you talk about a premier big-time guy, you talk about a player that, in the biggest moment, you want him having the ball. You know, he's the kind of guy, not even my producer, the commander, can doubt about wins and a starter and winning big games as he won 20 games at the height of his power, what, four straight years? You can't tell me that didn't mean something to Dave Stewart for all these kids who say wins don't matter for starting pitchers, did for Stu, and we're going to have him here at 3.30. Then, I've been really looking forward to this. We have watched Mark Canna grow in front of our eyes. It truly has been amazing. As Mark Canna now has 22 home runs on the year, Mark Canna has a 9.36 OPS. Mark Canna is playing center field every single day. And I have thrown the nickname out there, Duct Tape. And I want to see if Mark Canna is going to say he enjoys the nickname Duct Tape. Because as we all know, if you own a house or you have an apartment, whenever you have an issue and something goes wrong, what do you do? Well, you get duct tape. Duct tape fixes everything. And so that's my new nickname. I I think his nickname was Tom Ace or something like that. No, 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 no. We got to get duct tape on the back of that jersey for Mark Canna. So I'm going to ask him if he likes this new nickname that I have given him, duct tape, and that's going to be at 345. So we'll have Dave Stewart at 330. 
and we'll have Mark Duct Tape Canna on at 345, as we'll then, a little bit after that, throw you to Kauffman Stadium to get you ready for a little A's baseball. All right, a couple notes here that I think are interesting. The A's have 32 games left on the season. Is that hard to believe? There's only 32 games left. Wow. See, when your team is good, like the A's have been the last two years, you fly through summer as a baseball fan. Summer just flies by. Like, I couldn't believe when I was taking my kids to school. Like, wait, it's August. It's early August. School's already starting. Yeah, we only have 32 games left for the athletics. 25 of those 32 will be against teams with losing records. So where the A's sit today is a half game out of the second wild card. So they are right in this thing. Now, if you're not one of the two teams in the wild card, I will not say that your destiny is in your own hands. So right now, Cleveland leads Tampa by a half game, and Tampa leads Oakland by a half game. Now, looking at the scheduling, 25 of the next 32 games for the Athletics will be against teams with a losing record. So you take care of your business, and you're going to be in the postseason. You don't take care of your business like you did the last two days. You'll find yourself on the outside looking in. And something that's happening all over baseball, it's like an epidemic. Remember when you started hearing everybody talk about, oh, bullpenning's the way to go. You got to get more out of your bullpen. Remember Brian Kinney, our, our friend of the program on MLB Network? I love bullpenning. It's the greatest thing. Well, these bullpens are falling apart. Literally, bullpens are falling apart all over baseball. You name the team, and you're going to see struggling bullpen. It really is unbelievable. I was reading this thing earlier today, and it, I, it, it speaks for, like, every team. But it was about the Chicago Cubs. And the Chicago Cubs, you know, they're trying to get into the postseason. And they, they, they just can't get games to the house, even though they picked up Kimbrell. You know, when they picked up Kimbrell, you thought, okay, hey, they, got, they finally got their closer. But for them, like everybody else, I'm going to read you about the A's bullpen. But like the Cubs bullpen, the way they're tra- the last ten games for the Cubs, their bullpen ERA the last ten games. Commander, I want you to take a guess. How bad do you think the Cubs bullpen has been in the last ten games as they're trying to make their push towards the postseason? So I know it has been great because Cishek is now their closer. I would say their bullpen area is probably over 10. Well, that's a little high. That's a little dramatic. You never, hey, you said it, you made it seem like it was going to be very high, and I need to shoot for the stars here. It, 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 it is very high. Now, they're holding the second wild card right now, but their bullpen ERA was 6.40 the last 
10 games. Sounds like the Nationals bullpen on the season. That's 32 and a third innings, 24 runs, 23 earned. So let's go to the A's bullpen. The A's bullpen in the Giants series gave up 10 runs, 9 earned, and a 6 point and 6 and a third innings in the two losses. The A's bullpen has now what 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 are the A's bullpen at? 24 blown saves? Let me get it up here right now. Let me get the game notes. I had it for you yesterday. I did it math, but I don't have my scorebook on me right now. I'll have that for game time. But, yeah, when you start looking at the A's bullpen, I mean, it's atrocious. They are 21-22 and 22 with a 4.13 ERA and 24 blown saves, which is tied for the second most in all of Major League Baseball. This is like nowhere even near where they were last year. They had 45 wins last year, the bullpen, with a 3-3-7 ERA. You're now 21 and 22 with 24 blown saves. If the Athletics do not make the postseason, this guy is going to be pointing at one thing. It's not going to be the defense. It's not going to be the starting pitching. It's not going to be the offense, even though the offense doesn't score if they don't hit home runs. But they they hit a lot of home runs. They score runs. The issue that I'm going to have is going to be the bullpen. And we, as we watch the A's bullpen, we know it's not good. But this, this is going to tell you how bad bullpens are around baseball. The A's bullpen has a 3.70 ERA over the last 51 games since June 23rd. And I told you it's 4.13 for the season. We think this bullpen is not very good. But by the way, that ERA is fifth lowest in the American League. Fifth lowest. We've watched the A's bullpen and think it's in shambles. Look how bad everybody else is. It's insane. We look at the A's bullpen as a dumpster fire. They've got the fifth lowest ERA in the American League. Highest ERA, the Orioles. 6.18 ERA for the bullpen this year. 17 blown saves. We know about the home runs, but 6.18, so... Retrospective. Well, they're not leading a lot, so they don't really have a chance yeah, to be to have blown <laughs> saves. But uh, yeah, I mean, so here, run, run me down the the these the ERAs that are that are that are that are uh, higher than the A's. Okay, so I'm starting from number one. So you got the Orioles, Nats, Rockies, Marlins, Mets, Tigers, Mariners, Royals, Pirates, Angels, Rangers, Brewers, Phillies, Padres. Reds, White Sox, Diamondbacks, the Twins, Blue Jays, Braves, Cubs, Red Sox, and then the A's. We think the A's have the worst bullpen. I mean, I don't think it's very good. I said yesterday, Bob Mel. If I'm if I'm Bob Melvin, I only have one guy I trust. I have Liam Hendricks. Everybody else, I don't know what I'm getting on a day in and day out basis. How many teams did you just read off? Uh, Twenty-two. There are 22 teams that have a worse bullpen than the A's. Five of them are playoff contenders. If you don't think there's a problem and a 
there has to be a change in philosophy in baseball today? That, that, that should tell you all you need to know. All these guys thought they were smart by saying it's bullpenning. And, yes, I'm a MLB Network dork, and I watch it all the time, and I love Brian Kinney. But how many times has he advocated for bullpenning? More bullpen, less starters. That's ma- all I heard on MLB Now. It's a major part of his book that he wrote. Like he talks about bullpenning and how important I didn't it read is. his book. Was it good? I read most of it. Yeah, it's really good. He talks about that and how a manager's kind of overvalued. And I'll like, no, sorry, the manager, you don't need to have the uh, good-looking manager to be successful. Like, that's part of, like, his book is really good. He outlines stuff, but bullpenning's a big part of it. Uh, do you think he's now right? Uh, but those ERAs, it doesn't look like as, – as a fan of bullpenning myself and the opener and all that stuff – it's it, not working. Yeah, it's not working this year. I mean, I don't know how much of the baseball goes into that with the inflated ERAs, but it's not working. These guys are worn out. The ERA and, and, and relievers, um, the starters and relievers ERA is almost the same. I saw in uh, Buster Only's article the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the reliever ERA is going to be higher this year than starters ERA for the first time ever. That's not good. That that just tells, it tells you you're, you're using so many arms – and they're not good enough. There's not good enough arms on this planet to be pitching this many guys. There's just not. I have more proof. See, I like I, – I, 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 you can use numbers to fool people. And the one number that they've been using for a long time is third time through the order. Look at the average starters ERA third time through the order and the batting average against and all of that. Then look at what that average reliever is when he comes in and faces that exact same lineup third time through the order. They've been throwing that, they've been stuffing that down our throat for years now. And this is, this is I never claim to be the smartest guy. Right? I'm never going to be that guy. But I've been noticing some trends in baseball, like that stat that they bring at you. They keep using DeGrom at us of why starters' records don't matter. Look at They keep using outliers. Well, I have in front of me a number that should be alarming everybody in baseball about relievers. And it's going to tell you why they're looking at changing a rule, a rule that nobody likes. I haven't heard one person that likes this. But when I give you this number, you're going to realize that all these guys who think they're the smartest guys in the room, they may be absolutely full of it. And I probably have the proof in front of me. I'll give it to you next before we get to Dave Stewart right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the... A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Do not forget, this Friday, we're having a watch party at the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Come see us in Walnut Creek. We're having an A's watch party. Tell your family, tell your friends. It's going to be Yankees. It's going to be A's. Game's going to be at 4 o'clock. What time are we coming on that day? I believe we said we're going to do one to three on Friday. One to one three. One to PM. three. So that means we'll be there at noon. So come see us. An A's watch party. 
because we're going to watch the A's go into the Bronx and take care of business again. A lot of discussion today in our radio world. How K-Fog, when I used to work over at Susquehanna Faltzograph, when I was at KMBR, K-Fog was a monster. And now K-Fog no longer will be music. It's going to be sports. Things are changing in the world. Very, very interesting. As KMBR is now going to FM. But that's why we're doing what we're doing here. Because whether you're FM or you're AM, people aren't going to you anymore. This is the new world. This is why I left radio. Now, we're, we're still on radio for our games, but you, the consumer, the numbers show it. You don't go to radio anymore. You want to pick and choose what you want, when you want it. I'll give you a little stat before I give you the baseball stat. Did you know that for the people who actually do listen to radio, because there's, there's quite a few of you that are listening right now, that I know you don't listen to radio. That ship sailed for you. But for people that do listen to radio, 80%, 80% will never go to the AM dial. 80. Who under the age of 60 is going to the AM dial for anything? Like KGO used to be the number one station. They were the number one billing station. They were number one in ratings. It's because it was all that bogus Dot Nielsen was doing diaries. And Nielsen was sending out diaries to people, and people would fill out the diary, and they'd get a little check for doing it. Well, it was a lot of old people. Old people would sit around and fill out diaries, and KGO had huge numbers. Then they went to these people meters, and everybody realized that the average person listening to KGO was 65 and older. Well, guess what? No one is advertising for people who are 50, 65, and over. And essentially, the station's dead. KGO, in my lifetime, a guy that's worked in radio his entire career, I went from watching them be number one, and boy, did they have swagger. Remember they had the 49ers? They're paying the 49ers huge dollars to be on. And KGO, just walked, the, the employees of KGO walked around like they were King Kong. Now, it's dead. It's basically no one listens. AM radio's dead. This is, I had somebody from the Giants yesterday come up to me and say, hey, can I pull you aside for a minute? I want to ask about what you guys are doing. What we are doing is the future for all, all major league professional sports teams. And I still think college, too. You know, college showed us the Big Ten Network. Remember the Big Ten Network? People are like, wait a minute, you're just going to have a network talking about Big Ten sports? Oh, yeah. And now they all got one. Well, this is the same model. You want to hear baseball? You want to hear A's? Where else would you go? This is where you go. No one else today is going to have on Dave Stewart. No one else today is going to have Mark Canna. Yesterday we were the only state we were the only streaming station or count radio station. We had Dennis Eckersley. 
we, we, we had on Ricky Henderson. We had Dave Cavill. Where else are you going to get that? You're not even going to get that on major. Our guest, put our guest up against, and kudos to you, Commander. Put our guest up against even MLB Serious, which is an it, put on by Major League Baseball. I'll take our guest against that show any day of the week. I'm 100% with you, although they had a guest on yesterday that we haven't had on yet. Who? That be the legend Billy Bean. Billy Bean is the only guy they've had on. I've I seen. will get Billy Bean on. You've been on me about it. I will get Billy. But I'm with you. Uh, you're not going to see any of the guys we have on on any terrestrial radio stations, especially in the Bay Area. Oh, I mean, no. And uh, stop selling my guy, the Hall of Famer Ken Korak, short like that. The Captain Commander podcast is coming your way. We're, we're in. It's in the works. We we put a poll up on Twitter. Everyone said yes. We no, won. no, I voted no, and there's quite a few no's. Oh, it finished. The answer was yes, and then hell yes came second. Wow, but I was on a no. I hit no. What the hell are you guys going to talk about? His golf game? Life. Ken and I talk about pop culture. Could you could you Politics? Um, we'll probably slide past that one. Why not? Uh, if we want to put this on A's cast eventually, I don't think that's really the right no, I like platform it. for it. Get into politics. I mean, we got a, an election coming up here. And now I will say this. This is something that I hate. But it's, it, it's, it's a reality in our world. When you have an election or you have bad things happen, news talk radio soars. It's like their Super Bowl. So with an election coming up, it's going to like KCBS will start cranking up. They'll start. It's like their Super Bowl. If there's another big story, like remember Ken Bone, the red sweater guy from one of the uh, debates between Hillary and yeah. President Trump? Uh, he was all over Sports Talk Radio. I was one of the guys that actually had him on. If something like that happens, you better you better bet that one of those people will be, appear on Ace Cast Live. Let's what? talk about their. Let's talk, it's a major name. It's a major story. All right, I, I can interview anybody. I'm yeah, not, we I'm wanted not, to have. I'm I wanted to afraid. have. I wanted to have Jeopardy James on, but he didn't respond to me. They got one on the incredible run on Jeopardy. Okay, so for all you, and I think this really is a. And I, I, I actually think it's a good thing. Is that the people that are, are, are into the metrics skew younger. And I think that's a good thing for our game long term. Uh, we can get into a little bit later how youth baseball is on the rise, boy. And I can tell you, I live across from a park. I live across from where Mark Canna played Little League. And I'm telling you, Come Saturdays during Little League, Saturdays and Sundays, and during the week, there's three fields right outside my house. I, I Literally, right? I live right across from, from the Little League here in Willow Glen in San Jose. And Lincoln Glen Little League. And there's so many kids playing Little League, it's unbelievable. You know what's down? Football. Way down. Youth football is dying. You want to know what else is dying? Well, I don't think it's dying, but participation is way down. Soccer. How many times has soccer fan thrown it in your face about how popular soccer is? Soccer's down like last five years. Was it 900,000, something like that? According to these uh, people who track youth sports, football's in the millions down participation. Baseball, millions on the rise. 
That is good for our sport. All right, before we get to Dave Stewart, this is the number that shows you this bullpen and thing ain't working. There have been, and remember, we're getting into September. We're going to have September call-up, so more arms are coming. There have been 765 one-batter relief appearances this year. That is insane. 765 times a guy has come in to face one batter. Alex Claudio of the Brewers has done it 19 times. You know how much that clogs up a game as we saw in the Giants series? Game's humming along, gets about the sixth inning, and all of a sudden the pace of play. We had a three-hour and 50-minute nine-inning game. Not extra innings. Three hours and 50 minutes to play nine innings. This is unreal, and this is why they're going to the rule. You're going to have to face a minimum of three batters, and I know everybody hates it, but, well, you've now abused your privilege of using pitchers whenever you want. Everybody hates this rule. Well, but you know what the problem is? You're making the sport boring. So you know what? We've got to make rules to keep you from making the sport boring, whether you like it or not. Because no one wants to sit in the same spot for three hours and 50 minutes to watch your bad brand of baseball. Sorry. I get paid to go, and I hate it, three hours and 50 minutes. Thank God for A's access, and I can move around the ballpark and drink $5 beers. It's three hours and 50 minutes. It's the Titanic. It's like watching Waterworld or Titanic every day. And and, and you remember Titanic, great movie, won the Oscar. But you know what? They could have took 45 minutes out of it. No movie needs to be four hours. No baseball game needs to be four hours. 765 one-batter relief appearances. And, oh, by the way, that rule that a reliever has to face three batters unless he gets hurt, Commander? 2020. 2020, it's coming. Coming at you fast. And it's probably going to be – it's probably – it's not probably. It's going to be a good thing for the game. It speeds up the game. As someone that likes the way – all these relievers are used. I'm completely in favor of the three the three batter minimum. I think if we want to speed up the game and capture the millennial audience, as we always talk about, this is a start in right, step in the right direction. Oh, you mean playing three hours and fifty minutes for nine innings and using a bunch of different relievers? That's not that's not that's not good. That eighth inning on Saturday night, uh, when the A's bullpen gave up eight runs, it took what like 30, 40 minutes just in that, that half, and then the A's try to storm back, and that took another thirty minutes. So you had an hour long inning right there. Literally, you had. Three relievers that didn't get one out. Three relievers. They didn't get one out. And you just, it, it's just, here's Emerson. Here's Bowmel. Here, I mean, it's just, it's just at a point to where it's just, it, it, it's out of hand. And, you know, sports need to adjust. And I can guarantee you, I, who do we have on today? Is it Ken or is it Vince? I mean, if I bring this up to Ken Korak, he's going to hate it. But it's going to be like, well, you know what? Sorry. 
I mean, the fact that you've used relievers like this, it's absolutely unbelievable. Do we have the Hall of Famer? Yes, we do have the A's Hall of Famer, and they're going to retire his number, and they should because he's one of the great big game pitchers in the history of the game. Dave Stewart is with us. Stu, it was great seeing you yesterday, and congratulations on this wonderful honor. Dave, thank you very much. It was a, it was a beautiful day. Thank you so much. You know, I, you and I, we talked a little bit yesterday uh, right before you went on with, with Ken and Vince and Coco, and to think about how you and Ricky Henderson used to sneak into the Coliseum to where now Ricky Henderson has the, the field named after him, and you now have, not only are you in the A's Hall of Fame in the first class, but you're now having your jersey number retired. Hey, you've, you guys have come a long way since sneaking in back in the day. <laughs> I would have to say so. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm having having my number retired is a huge honor. Um, uh, considering that you, you look at the names that have been up there, and they're all Hall of Famers. Um, I'll be uh, the first uh, non-Hall of Famer that uh, that they've honored in this way. And you know, growing up in the area, blocks away from the Coliseum, seeing the you know, the A's come to town in 68 and, and then win uh, championships in 72, 73, and 74. Um, it's just unbelievable. It really, it's, it's, it's a dream come true. No doubt about it. And I think not only do you have the announcement yesterday, but you also get to celebrate it with the 1989 championship team. That had to make it even more special that you got to celebrate with your guys who, made, who you made history with. I've got some great, great friendships uh, from that ball team and, uh, you know, just great memories. I mean, those guys were, a lot of those guys um, weren't just with the 89 team. We were together in 88, 90, and up until the time, uh, you know, we did, we made the playoffs in 92. Um, a lot of those guys were, were teammates. Carney Lansford, I go back to 1986 when I first came to the A's. Ricky Henderson and I go back to, to childhood, although Dave Henderson wasn't there. Uh, Dave Henderson and I go back to the Meyer League. Tony Phillips and I shared uh, the same agent. Uh, Bobby Welch and I go back to the days of when we were with the Dodgers, uh, being drafted by the Dodgers. I mean, there's a lot of memories. Of most of those guys um, are like family members to me even still today, and it was just a great group of guys to, to have had the opportunity to play with. You know, when you come to the A's and they sign you, and I think your first appearance was actually against uh, the Red Sox and Roger Clemens, what was it about coming to the A's that all of a sudden in your career it all clicked and everything changed and, and you became one of the best pitchers in the game? That's just crazy. Um, a lot of people remember that game, but, I'd come to the age long before that appearance. I just sat around for a great period of time while Jackie Moore and Wes Stock were the pitching coach and the manager here. Um, Tony LaRusa came to the ball club, um, and that was my first start for Tony. Um, but I had been a part of this this, this team uh, before that, just wasn't getting very much playing time. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's crazy. uh when Tony came and Dave Duncan came, um, how things um, in my career um, took a different direction, having that guidance and being able to start that game for him and, and then becoming a, a person that was in the rotation every fourth or fifth day. 
um, it was just a, a big stepping stone for me. Dave Duncan, such a special pitching coach, and I and I love how Tony always gives him his due and, and his credit because you know truly from his time with Oakland all the way to St. Louis, what was it like being under Dave, and, and what did he do to really help you blossom? Well, one, it was a confidence factor. Um, I, I had a pitch that I thought was a good pitch. I learned uh, before I actually came to the A's uh, with the, with the fork ball, um, but had lost confidence in using a pitch because so many people told me that it wasn't a good pitch. Um, Dunk in my first start against Boston saw the pitch, liked the pitch and encouraged me to use the pitch. Um, and, you know, it becomes history from there. Um, but the, the key factor was with Dave Duncan, um, even more than encouragement and using the pitch. Um, he taught me things about pitching in general, the, the mental side of pitching and, pitching and situation and count and putting myself in a higher percentage situations by being aggressive, by using this thought process in these situations and, and it helped my maturity and it helped actually, um, it helped me to actually mentally be able to pitch with my physical ability and, and, and it made such a, such a big, big difference. And I think about you in the postseason, and right now I'm looking at your postseason record, you know, a career ERA in the postseason of 2.77. What was it about you in the big moments, in the huge games, where your game rose to a, another level? You know, I, I wish I could, could answer that question, and, and um, uh, but I, I quite frankly, I, I don't have an answer. I just know that um, I, I, I wanted to be in those situations. Um, I wanted to have the opportunity to pitch against the other side's best. Um, and, um, you know, I never thought about the negative side of it. I only saw the, the positives that, that could happen winning that first game, giving us our first, our best foot forward, um, and, you know, losing just never really, really occurred to me. It never occurred that that could happen for me. I always felt that I was going to have an opportunity to win a baseball in those situations. I look forward to it. So I guess the first part is you have to want to be there. And once you're there, I think everything just kind of plays out. Oh, yeah, you're a World Series MVP. You're a two-time ALCS MVP. So the moment was never too big. And, and you go to Toronto towards the end of your career, and you win another championship with Toronto Blue Jays. You know, not only was your team in 1989 fantastic, but that was a terrific team in Toronto. What was it like for you winning a championship north of the border? You know, I played with some great guys, um, uh, Joe Carter, uh, Paul Molitor, you know, Robbie Alomar, Ola Rude, Devon White, um, I played with some really, really good guys there. Uh, Jack Morris was on that pitching staff. Pat Hinkin was young then. Todd Stottlemyre, Juan Guzman. And then in the back end, we had uh, we had Henke, and we also had Dwayne Ward. So um, I left one team uh, with the A's and, and went to another team similar um, in Toronto. Um, Tito Gaston was a player's manager similar to uh, Tony La Russa, and so it was a good bunch of guys 
I never thought about the fact that I was in Toronto winning the championship. My goal um, in leaving when I left Oakland was to win one more time before retirement. And I knew retirement was close. Um, and so I wanted to win one more time. And, um, and I was fortunate. Uh, Pat Gillick called immediately uh, the first day of a, a free agency availability in free agency and things 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 went uphill from there and uh i was just real fortunate to play with a, a great bunch of guys and once again a, a great manager and, and i i think about the success that you had even after your playing time especially as a pitching coach you went to the World Series with the Padres in 1998 and Bruce Bochy. What was that like, and, and how much of Dave Duncan did you use with your pitchers in San Diego when you helped get that team to the World Series? Well, I never never got a chance to thank Kevin Towers for, for putting me in that situation. It wasn't something that I initially wanted to do. Um, and we took a trip to Mexico at the time I was working in the office for the Padres. We took a trip to Mexico to uh, confirm our, our relationship with the team in Yucatan. And uh, in that trip, um, Kevin told me that he thought I'd be, be good at it and that I would, and that uh, I would be the guy that he would pick if I wanted to take the job. And when we got on the plane and he first, approached me with it, I was all no. And by the time we got on the plane to come back, um, I was convinced that it was something that I could do. I wasn't sure that I would even be able to do it because I'd never coached before in any capacity other than, you know, helping out in the instructional league with the Oakland A's. And so um, Kevin, Kevin uh, put me in that position to do it. And then everything um, that I I did and how I patterned myself, how I modeled uh, my conversations, everything uh, was Dave Duncan. Uh, I learned a lot from Dave Duncan. I mean, the biggest thing that I learned is that sometimes coaching is keeping your mouth shut. Um, Dunk um, never spoke until he really had something to say. He didn't feel that he had to be feeding you information all the time, all the time. Um, sometimes that can be an overload. Um, Dunk was the kind of coach that if he didn't feel you were going to hurt yourself physically, he didn't change things with your mechanics. Um, he worked with what you had. And then the other important part, and the major part is the, the biggest the biggest process in pitching is preparing a guy mentally to get into battle. Um, and um, I thought that for me, you know, we had spring training classes for these guys talking about pitching, pitching situations, um, having them understand counts um, and how to maneuver in different different situations that take place while you're pitching. And um, so everything that I did was patterned after Dave Duncan. And, you know, on the NFL Network, they have a show called A Football Life. And I, I think MLB needs to copy that because – I think of your career, you know, we mentioned now as a pitching coach, then you become a sports agent, then you become a general manager, you're doing television today with NBC California, you have truly had a baseball life, do you ever sit back and reflect and, and realize, man, I, I've done just about everything, I mean, the only thing you got left to do is be the commissioner of the sport. <laughs> you know, what I've, what I've, it, 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 and to a fault, um, 
I, I really, I really just get into the moment. Um, when I was a player, all I thought about was, all I thought about was what I had to do on 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 that given day, and what my next assignment was. And then after after my playing days, um, I I thought about what's important now. And it, it was the thing that Lou Holtz always said. Um, and he used the initials W-I-N, what's important now. And so I've always been that kind of guy. I don't think that I've ever really taken a moment to just look at the places that I've been and and the the accomplishments in the game, Um, the people that have touched me. um, I've been well aware of who they are. um, And I I just feel really, really blessed to have had a great group of people around me through – through my career, um, you know, starting with Reggie, Reggie Smith and, and Davey Lopes, Roy Campanella, Don Newcomb, some of the big names when I came into to, to, to the Dodger organization, and, and Sandy Koufax uh, actually a, having a direct a, a direct touch on, on my pitching and how I pitched. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been really, really blessed to, to be able to, to be in this game. And I'm not too sure that uh, – if I if I took the time to look at where I'd been, that I'd be enjoying it as much as I do because every day is a treat for me to be able to be around the ballpark, to be around players, to be involved in the game, and in this particular time to be able to talk to people over the air and have them uh, explain, have them understand what takes place in the game during the course of the game, um, the, the strategy inside the game. It's just so much fun. Well, I, I, I look at your resume, and, and as we said, you've done basically everything in the game. Long term for you, where do you see Dave Stewart? What, what, what do you want to continue to do long term in this game? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to I wanna just continue to be around it. I mean, God has, God has really been good to me and in, the, in the sense that I can honestly say for all of my adult life and all of my childhood, I've been able to live my dream to be in the game of baseball, to play the game of baseball, to be able to pass on the traditions and the things that I've learned in the game to some of the younger players in the game. Um, you know, I just want to, this is what I want my life to be. I want it to be baseball in any capacity that I can be involved. Um, as, as long as there's a place for me, um, whether it's representing players, if it's to do work in the Oakland A's organization, I've got some history with the San Diego Padres. Um, it doesn't really matter. I just want to be around the game. Well, we do know this. Nobody will ever again wear your number, the number 34. Truly amazing. What a career you've had. It's always an honor to have you on the program. Continued success with uh, Brody Brazil and doing television, and we'll see you at the ballpark. And congratulations on the number being retired and also the celebration of you guys winning the championship and that rock star team of 1989. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. The great Dave Stewart. I mean, we need to we need to talk to our friends at, at the MLB Network because they do. I will I will say the NFL Network does a phenomenal job with a football life. Those are those are classic. But here's the thing about a football life: football careers aren't as long as baseball careers. 
So you could do so much more with baseball. Think about Dave Stewart. We'll call it a baseball life. Comes up with the Dodgers. He's on. He, he wins a ring with the Dodgers. A lot of people don't know that. He's in with the Rangers. He's in with the Phillies. Doesn't work out. Comes to the A's and becomes a star pitcher. He's a World Series MVP. ALCS MVP with the A's in 90. And the Toronto Blue Jays in 93. Pitches a no-hitter. Unbelievable career. I think when you look at his numbers, the sheer just look of the numbers, it, you know, it's very tough to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. It just He just doesn't have the longevity because basically from the time he was 21 when he first came up, well, he only pitched in one game. He really came up in 81. From 81 to 86, there's not a whole lot there. And then 87 wins 20, 88 wins 21, but the problem is he's in his 30s. 89, he wins 21, 1990, he wins 22. It's just, but he's 168, 129. Won 168 games, lost 129. It's pretty darn good, and his postseason numbers are phenomenal. It just doesn't, he just, all those years in his 20s where there wasn't a whole lot there, and he wasn't starting a lot. He just couldn't rack up the big numbers. But when you look at his postseason numbers, oh, yeah, he looks like a Hall of Famer. But think about everything else that he did in his life. A baseball life. Guy was a pitching coach. Helped the team get to the World Series. I mean, that Padre team, 98, was pretty good, but they ran into arguably the greatest team of in modern-day baseball, the 98 Yankees. He was also a pitching coach in Milwaukee. He was a sports agent. He was a GM for the Diamondbacks. I mean, you really could do a whole thing on Dave Stewart's life of growing up in Oakland, starring in Oakland, and then everything he's done, you know, getting big contracts for players. It truly is a phenomenal story. You want another phenomenal story? I'll give you another phenomenal story. How about this? Mark Canna named American League Player of the Week. He hit 474, four home runs, a double, five runs scored, and seven RBIs, and had four multiple hit games. He had a week. That's why he's the American League Player of the Week. Mark Canna will join us from Kansas City as we'll talk to him about this great honor. And will he like the nickname Duct Tape? We're going to find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right. Mark Canna, I got him more numbers on him. Last eight games. Last eight games, he's hitting 469, five home runs, 11 RBIs. And has a career-high 936 OPS. He's killing it. And he's the American League Player of the Week. We caught up with Mark Canna earlier today. From Canna, because, I mean, at this point, they're, they're out on the field. So, we caught up with him earlier today. Here is Mark Canna, your American League Player of the Week. 
Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he is the American League Player of the Week. He hit 474 with four home runs last week. Now the center fielder for your Oakland Athletics, Mark Canna joins us from Kansas City. How are you, and congratulations. Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, when I, I think about where you are in, in your career, like the light is turned on, you're getting a chance to play every day, and you're taking advantage of it. And I can tell you this fan base has really enjoyed what you've been able to do for this team. Just talk about what this this award, being the American League Player of the Week, what it means to you as a professional. Um, yeah, it's always nice to be recognized for for your performance. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like I've had, you know, a good year and good weeks in the past and, and just kind of missed the boat on, on awards like this that come around uh, from time to time, and I, I got one this week. So it was, it was nice. It was a nice thing. Is this really a case for you, the fact that you're just getting to play every day, and that's been the big difference for you? Um. I mean, I've I feel like I've done a pretty good job every time I get a chance to get consistent playing time throughout my career. So, um, you know, I think it's something that that just comes from a, a lot of experience, and I've had enough and a bunch of at bats under my belt now in my career to where I've uh, probably become a little bit of a better player and a better hitter, and just understand how to have. Uh, success a little better than than I have in the past. Yeah, it's amazing when you get the playing time and you learn to work through things. How much now in your career are you better at, you know, surviving a little downtime or a little struggle to get you back to having great success? Yeah, I'd say I'd say I have become better at that. It's just uh, it's been that's something that is definitely learned. I think at the big league level and especially with the way the game's changing now. I think I'm gonna, if I'm going to pat myself on the back at all, it's just been that I've paid attention and, and kind of learned from my mistakes in, in the past and how to approach slumps and how to um, just go about my work and such. Um, so, you know, I think that's just, like I said, it's something I've I've learned from being around a little bit. And also another great thing for you is that you're 100% healthy. Yeah, that's always good. That's always good. <laughs> it's really tough to be successful if you're not healthy. So that's that's number one. Now, of course, uh, this past weekend we were honoring Players Week and we had nicknames. I've actually come up with a new nickname for you, and I, I'm wondering how you're going to yeah. receive it. So the fact that Chris Davis goes out, you can DH. Stephen Piscotty goes out, you play right field. Ramon Laureano goes out, you're now mm-hmm. playing center field every day. So whenever you have a problem around the house, what do you do? You get duct tape, and you duct tape it. Duct tape fixes everything. I see you as the duct tape guy. If Bob Melvin ever has a problem, you just put Mark Canna there, and Mark Canna fixes the problem. How do you feel about the nickname duct tape? I love that. I love that. You know what? You have to have duct tape in your house. You have to. Always. So, you know, that's uh, old, reliable. I, I get it, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the most bought thing at Home Depot, for God's <laughs> sakes. Everybody needs it, Mark. Yeah, that's right. 
you know, when I think about you playing center field, I, I actually, you know, your, your college teammate and really good friend, Marcus Simeon, we had on the program. And, and, you know, I've been praising you as, you know, you're a San Jose guy. You went to Bellarmine. I'm a San Jose guy. So I've always pulled for you big time. And I was talking to uh, Marcus about you. And I, I said, Marcus, are you surprised that he can play center field as good as he can play it? And Marcus said no. He said, you've always been a terrific athlete. Danny, back to your days in high school and college. How much center field did you ever play in your career before now where you're playing it every day? Um, I never played it in college, and I never played it in the minor leagues. So um, I think it's just a, a comfort level thing. I think you could stick any one of our outfielders out there, honestly, for a for – a, few days and they'd get better at it at least um i think it's the the easiest position to, to in terms of reading the ball off the bat um so in that regard it's a little bit easier than playing the corners but at the same time you, you have to make some longer runs and some longer throws um but yeah i mean it's it's a fun position it's fun to kind of run around out there you have a lot of space to work and and you got to kind of just roam and I feel like you get a good feel for the game because you have the best view, um, you know, seen straight on. So you get a good feel for where guys are hitting the ball and stuff like that. I, I know you're more in about talking about the team than yourself, but just one more on you. Marcus Simeon said you're the most underrated player in all of Major League Baseball. What does that mean to you when, it, when a good friend <laughs> says that? Uh I mean, it means a lot coming from Marcus just because he is such a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, we've, we have a long history together and, uh, he's obviously a great guy and I think he really knows what he's talking about. And I respect his opinion, opinion on things. So, um, it's just nice. It's nice hearing that from my buddy. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think we're we're all, we're both kind of like that. It's a two-way street. I think there's uh, nothing that either of us doubts about one another, and, and we know what we're both capable of just because we both work really hard. We both have been there, you know, through through thick and thin. So it's uh, it's cool. I think we have a good uh, special relationship in that way. And let's talk about the team. I know you guys are not happy about dropping two to the Giants, but overall, when you take three or four from Houston and you sweep the Yankees, what's the confidence like after that nine-game homestand and what you're taking into Kansas City for this four-game set? Um, yeah, I, you know, that's baseball. I don't know <laughs> how to explain it. Um you know, the Giants are a good team. They they came out and they just they beat us two games in a row. So um if anything I think we just gotta take for it, we gotta understand like, you know, we it's we got a lot of work ahead of us, I think, and and uh I don't think now's the time to get too down about that. I think we gotta move forward, uh, stay positive. I think we we know obviously what we're capable of from the two series before and I think we just want to, I think we're all, there's a good mood in the clubhouse and we understand that like, you know, we're okay just because we lost to the Giants two games. It hurts, but we can move on and uh, keep riding that, that wave. And, you know, I think we're still in good shape. 
Let's end on this, because you know at this time of the year, we as fans and we in the media, we're constantly scoreboard watching. We're watching what's going on with Tampa. We're watching what's going on with Cleveland. We're watching what's going on with Houston. Uh, sounds exhausting. <laughs> How much are you, I mean, you're sitting out there in the outfield. Are, 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 you, are you paying attention to the scoreboard at this time of the year? No, not at all. I couldn't care less. All I care about is what's going on our scoreboard. Um <laughs> uh, I don't think it's it's exhausting, like I said, trying to keep track of that. And it's, you know, we got five weeks of baseball. We could be looking up in three weeks, and it, it, the situation could be completely different. And so I don't think the, uh, you know, it's something that we're, it's still a long-term thing. I think, you know, we got to keep the focus on us and, and playing our best baseball right now and not worry about what other people are doing. Well, you're the American League Player of the Week, and it's been just fantastic to watch you play this season. You're having a great year. Continued success. Good luck on this road trip, and we'll see you when you get back to Oakland. All right. Thanks. Yep. He's on fire. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And he likes the nickname Duct Tape. I think we got something here. All right, what time are we going till? Uh, we got about another, like, 13 minutes or so. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, give or take. We went over yesterday. We When that happens, we just get cut off for the face. The face takes over. Oh, boy. The face of uh, A's all night Alex Jensen. And the guy that did arguably the greatest interview ever with John Sterling. Okay. Excuse me. He's the only person I've worked with that's ever talked to John Sterling, so it's the greatest John Sterling interview I've ever been a part of. I well, yeah, I've I've had John Sterling on. I, I wasn't with you though. Well, I was at a different, whole different place. <laughs> Do you know? Don't you ever say that to the host of the show? But uh, Mark Canna, it's time. No, Whoa, it's, no, it's, no, 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 it's not time. It's Jump not the gun time. on that one. But Mark Canna, this has been a lot of fun, and. There's a certain guy on this team who better start swinging it himself. That's Chris Davis. Or Chris Davis is going to find himself as a pinch hitter. Because we saw Ramon Laureano. We saw him running. And I got to talk to Ramon as he was coming off working out. I said, how are you feeling? He says, feeling good, feeling better. And he's running full speed. So Ramon Laureano comes back. Mark Cannon's not coming out of the lineup. You know who's coming out of the lineup? That would be Chris Davis. Davis is one for his last 29. Do you know what that batting average is, folks? My San Jose State math. Last eight games, one for 29. That is a .034 batting average. But that one was a home run. That's all that matters. Yeah, you can say batting average doesn't matter. Well, this batting average matters. Point zero three four. We only care about home runs, Tony. Davis has just two home runs in the last forty-eight games. Last forty-eight games, he's hitting a buck seventy-eight. I mean, how crazy is that? He's going to find himself riding the pine, and I want to hear he's hurt because I've investigated it, and there's people inside the organization that believe. He is not hurt. This is now a mental thing. And I got to check to see. Let's see. 
I mean, when you're playing Profar over Chris Davis at DH, he is in the lineup today. Wow. Chris Davis on the year is hitting 215 with 18 home runs. I mean, this is this is the land of the juice baseball. Record home runs are being hit, and Chris Davis can't. Chris Davis, forget, can't hit home runs. Chris Davis has struggled just to hit the ball hard. He's struggling to make contact. I mean, basically, Chris Davis and Profar are the same guy. Who would have ever said that? Chris Davis is hitting 215. Profar is hitting 208. Chris Davis has 18 home runs. Profar has 15. Chris Davis has 55 RBIs. Profar has 51. They're basically the same guy. Who would have ever said that? And they're both a liability in the field. Chris Davis and Jerkson Profar are the same guy. Never thought I would be saying that. So we're on till 415. Well, let's do a little buying or selling. Let's go. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. You're right. They are the same guy. The throwing problems, everything. It's just, it's not same good. Guy. It's not good right now. Same guy. Although, I never thought I would say that. Although Chris Davis wasn't a highly taught a prospect like Profar was with the Rangers. So. We were just talking about our good friend Duct Tape, and it made me think about this earlier. From everything he's done this year, from filling it at DH, first base, right field, center field, the 22 home runs, what he means to this team. Marcus Simeon called him the most underrated player in baseball. Buying or selling that Mark Canna is the Oakland Athletics team MVP. I'm going to sell that. I think Marcus Simeon is. It's a good choice also. And the reason why... Remember, most valuable player. Who has been the A's most valuable player? When you show up every day and you play shortstop and you play it well and you hit at the top of the lineup, you're the leadoff guy, and you do it every day, you're the most valuable player. So no disrespect to duct tape, but... uh, I'm saying uh, I'm going Marcus Simeon as the A's MVP. And here's the other thing. He leads. He's a leader. And he leads by example. You know, if you're a guy that's, well, I'm kind of not feeling good today, how can you be that guy when Marcus Simeon doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what problem Marcus Simeon has? Doesn't matter because, hey, listen, we're human beings, Right. There's always stuff going on. There's stuff going on on the field. There's stuff going on off the field. Guys have issues. Marcus Simeon plays every single day. So if you're somebody else and you may not be 100% and you look out and you say, well, Marcus plays every day, you got to come ready to play. And, and, and that's the kind of leadership he provides. So uh, my MVP so far would be your shortstop and friend of the program, Marcus Simeon. I can say that, and he hits leadoff. He hits leadoff and he has over 20 home runs. He has a great war. Plays he has, His defense has improved every single year. I, I can buy that, too. So we, can we both agree on this? Garrett Cole is having a great year, right, for the Astros? He's okay. Yeah, he's having a pretty good year. I think he has a 275 ERA, around 238 strikeouts, and he has 15 wins. Cole's also 29 years old and going to be a free agent after this season. 
He's a former, well, first-round pick, number one overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Out of? Uh, out of UCLA. Teammates with my good friend Trevor Bauer. How is your – hey, by the way, uh, how is your buddy Bauer doing ever since the trade over to the uh, Cincinnati Reds? He's only – his ERA is only 7.62, and he's only allowing 10 hits per nine innings. That's not – that's – he gave up eight runs to the Pirates the other day, so I, root, I had to root against them. Uh, Trevor Bauer is uh, – Miss, Mr. Smarty Pants isn't isn't faring so well these days. Well, when you play at the Great American Bandbox. Oh, now it's the Bandbox. Actually, you know, he gave up eight runs at PNC Park. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have an excuse for that one. But Garrett Cole is linked to a couple teams for this offseason. One of them, the Yankees, who drafted him first, but they didn't sign him out of UCLA. Uh, the Phillies, who are looking at every pitcher because Jake Arrieta has been a mitigated disaster for them. And the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Anaheim Angels, Cal whatever they're called now. Are also of Disney. Of, yeah. And he's also from Orange County. Buying or selling, Garrett Cole will be pitching in Los Angeles next season. I'm selling. Why would he be pitching in Los Angeles? He's a free agent. Next season. Orange County's not Los Angeles. Two different areas. Two different cities. Well, L.A. They're still the L.A. Angels. Okay. I'm selling because if he was pitching in Los Angeles, he'd be pitching – He'd be pitching for the Dodgers. I can see the Dodgers making a run at him. How about buying or selling? He'll be in Anaheim. Uh, buying. Uh, okay, uh, just semantics, but I always hate that. <laughs> Orange County is not Los Angeles. It's not. And no one in Orange County likes Los Angeles. So, um, you know what people don't think about when it comes to playing in California? And why a lot of play, like some players shy away from it. And I know you don't want to hear this as fans. But when you're making that kind of loot in California, you're paying huge state taxes. And the amount of money that you're making. So you pay tax wherever you play, right? But when your home games, when you got 81 home games, you're paying state tax of 13.3%. That's huge. I don't know what kind of money guy he is. Does he want to come back home now? I'm going to buy it because also Mama is Brandon Crawford's sister. She grew up in Pleasanton. So I can see, and she's also, they met at UCLA, if I'm correct. That's correct. So I got a feeling that Mama Cole probably would like to come back home or be closer to home. Obviously went to school at UCLA. The Crawford family is still in Pleasanton, I believe. Obviously, her brother is a giant shortstop. I, I could see them wanting to come back to beautiful Southern California. And I got to tell you, it's like when, when people are like, oh, Trout's going to leave. Well, not anymore. I know people in Northern California always have this thing about, but come on. There's places in Orange County that are dope. You're not telling me you don't want to live in Newport Beach. Huntington Beach, Dana Point, Laguna. Let's say Laguna Beach. I mean, all those beaches, I can tell you, are phenomenal. You live that. That's why Trout. Trout has the best of both worlds. He can live in beautiful Orange County and then in the wintertime go back and be the Jersey Philly guy and go to Eagles games. He's got the best of both worlds. All right, so I want to get this one in quickly. I don't know if we're going to have all the time in the world for it, but or we're going to make it try to make it work. So Aaron Judge is homered in three straight games for the New York Yankees. Now, yesterday, while catching with bullpen coach Jason uh, Jason Brown's father, John, on the field, 
he told him, I'll hit one out for you. If you want to hear it, here's the audio of Aaron Judge with it. Why is today not opening day? Uh, well, never mind. I actually didn't put the audio in there, so we don't have it. That's on me. Aaron Judge. Buying or selling. What a major gaffe to end the show. Yeah, I don't have either of the things in there that I wanted. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in myself on that. And it's, wow, that's a huge miss on my part. I apologize for not being prepared. And actually, wait, here we go. Swung on and hit in the air to right center field and deep. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A judgy and blast. His third home run of the series. He is getting hot. Aaron Judge. All rise. Here comes the judge. Now, if you remember. Okay, buying or selling. It would drive you what nuts. What if I get Paul O'Neill to hit a home run tomorrow uh, just for you? Seinfeld. Really? Paul O'Neill would do that? For you, he would. Could he hit two home runs? <laughs> two? Yeah, sure, kid. You promised a kid in, in the hospital that I'd hit two home runs. Yeah, what, no good? No, it's no good. It's terrible. I mean, you just you don't hit home runs like that. It's hard to hit home runs. And where the heck did you get two from? Well, two is better than one. Buying or selling, Aaron Judge stole the idea of promising the home run from Kramer and Paul O'Neill. I'm selling. He's a millennial. He probably never even saw Seinfeld. How old's Aaron Judge? Like 26, 27. Buying or selling, he ever saw an episode of it? Um, selling. He had, everyone's it's seen Seinfeld. Wow, you are just. It's a bad day for me. Just stop. It's a good guest day, but bad day for me production-wise. Yeah, it's a very good guest day. All right, we, we got a minute left. So promote what's coming up next. Don't forget, watch party. Chicken Pie Shop Walnut Creek on Friday. Yankees A's. And the restaurant's going to have all kinds of deals for you. Food and alcohol deals. Libations, as we like to call it, in the business. So come see us. We're going to be there from 1 to 3 doing A's Cast Live. That's the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. We're getting you ready for A's baseball. coming up. Are we going to the face? The face of A's all night, Alex Jensen, will have uh, an update from yesterday's gaff. Horrible loss to the Giants. And then I'll be back getting you ready for a little A's baseball with A's total access. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.